here this morning. We are in a message series that we've called Decades because what we're doing is we're looking at the decades of our life and some of the themes, some of the patterns that you find in those decades in the hopes that we can navigate them better. Uh, the decades form something like chapters in our lives and so we're stepping back to look at them so that we can get a maybe get our mind around the decades a little better and what God wants us to focus on in those decades. So uh, we're looking at key perspective and principles for these different decades and stages and seasons of life. Uh, we, we hope that we really help you in your current stage, that you're in the current decade you're in, uh, maybe to look at where you're headed in the decades in the future and then also look back. And as I look back, often I'll see, see cracks in some of the foundation that I've laid and some repair work that needs to be done. And so uh, that's, that's our hope. What I'd like to do is briefly recap what we've talked about so far. Week one, we looked at laying the foundation. Uh, in, in your 20s, you have a unique opportunity for training. So uh, we encouraged training in your 20s. And the goal in your 20s is to be hungry and want to learn how life works according to God's ways. Then last week, we looked at uh, our 30s and how we're typically building in, in our 30s. We're building uh, in family life, work, ministry, all kinds of ways. And we need to build carefully according to God's ways. That's the goal in the 30s. And today I'm talking about the 40s. And honestly, getting ready for this message made me tired thinking about my 40s. <laughs> I mean, I'm tired enough in my 50s now. But looking back, I thought, oh, you know, and we tend to we tend to want to be in another stage. We want to be in the next one or the last one or, you know, and so one of the things I hope that happens is we get content with where we're at. We, I have a grandson, Blake, he's four years old and he's playing t-ball and it's fascinating to watch his approach because he, he's a real thinking young man and he basically sees the infield as a sandbox. Okay, he's not really interested necessarily in what's going on on the field, but it's an opportunity to dig in the, sand, the dirt and, you know, really enjoy that. Well, the two-and-a-half-year-old guy, Jeremy, he wants to be on the team. He wants to be four. He can't wait. You know, he's like, I'm not on the team. I'm not old enough. You know, he, he's, he's really working through this. And this is a microcosm of sometimes what happens in our lives, we're in one stage and we want to be in the next or we want to go back or rewind, whatever we want to do. But I want to encourage you, there is a tremendous amount of purpose wherever you're at right now. God has some things that he's trying to do in your stage, wherever you're at. Today we're going to look at the 40s. The key word for the 40s is endurance. Just hang in there. Right here. You may have noticed that the verb keeps changing for these decades. We've gone from training to building. Now it's enduring. Training sounds kind of intriguing and interesting. Building sounds like you're making progress. Enduring. Ah, 
uh-oh, <laughs> I've got to endure, I've got to hang in there. That just sounds like you're just trying to hold on for dear life and make it through it. There's gray clouds on the horizon. Well, the definition of endure, just to get our minds around what we need to do in this decade, if you're in it or if you, uh, wherever you're at. Um, in Merriam-Webster, it says, endure means to continue to exist in the same state or condition, to experience pain or suffering for a long time, to deal with or accept something unpleasant. That's what it means to endure. That's what it takes in the 40s. Endurance is what you need to face something difficult, to handle Every stage of life, endurance is something obviously that goes across all the stages of life and we really need to endure. But the 40s can become a decade of fire like no other decade because some things converge that really turn the heat up. It's turned up and the pressure in this stage gets greater and greater than the previous decades. Around age 35, 37, we'll say to 45 The nagging question that keeps coming to your mind is, am I going to keep going or just pull the plug? Am I going to hang in there? I know that that's that's a question that kept coming to mind. There was a there's a strong pull due to the immense pressure. That question can be a nagging one that turns into a scream. And there's this pressure that's pulling you to uh, just escape whatever it is you're going through and do something different. And this pressure sometimes creates, actually one of the patterns is, it creates this need to go to rewind the clock and go back and prove that you still have it. You know, I've still got it. (laughs) I can still pull this off. While I was going through this decade, uh, it it was easy to look back at simpler times and think, whew, those were the good old days. <laughs> where, where have they gone? And so one of the themes that comes up in this stage for, for many people is one more time. I just want to do this one more time. My version of one more time was uh, surfing. I, I got, I, 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 my daughter was interested in learning how to surf. I was trying to teach her how to surf and I went on an epic search for the perfect surfboard. So I went on this search. I made it a big deal. The whole family are like, yeah, okay. You know, the beach, we like the beach. So they didn't mind going to look at all the shops and try to find the surfing, the surfboard, you know, to live my dream one more time of surfing. <laughs> and so I ended up with a, an infinity rad nose rider. It was awesome. It's still awesome. It's up hanging in my rafters now. <laughs> but man, I made it, I made it cool. I, it was custom made. It, on the stringer, it had not Psalm 93.4, so it was even spiritual. Um, <laughs> Psalm 93.4 says, uh, Mighty are the waves of the sea, but mighty are you, Lord God. So as a reminder, you know, as I'm getting tossed around out there, God's stronger than what's going on. It was in the corner of my bedroom for a while. 
We have, it was, it's ten and a half foot, three and a half inches thick, you know, 23 and a half inches wide, and we have a tall ceiling in our bedroom. My wife's very gracious. She let it sit in the corner of our, our bedroom, even decorated the bedroom in Hawaiian theme. You know, my wife was really good to me in this time. This season is often called midlife crisis. (laughs) I've just illustrated that, haven't I? And and really, for many, it's a midlife reevaluation. It's a reevaluation of where you're at, what's gone on, what's happening. As all the pressure converges in this stage of life, The crisis comes because some enemies rear their head in their 40s that challenge our resolve to keep bearing responsibility. It's a strong pull. It really is. Uh, If you're there, hang in there. If you're heading there, uh, just recognize what's what's coming. Uh, Work. At work, we invest many, many years in our career, in our business maybe, waiting for the reward. And the reward we've envisioned here in the middle doesn't seem like it's going to come. It's not going to materialize. What's going to happen here? How's this going to go? I'm just not sure. There's a lot of pressure to get ahead, and then you've got the capable young folks who are rising in the workforce, and they're challenging for your job. So that that seems like an enemy there. It's time's catching up. In family life, we love our family desperately, but the pressures of work are pulling us in the opposite direction. They're just stretching us. Kids and family are growing. They're demanding more and more attention and resources. We're starting to try to figure out how we're going to pay for college and other things that maybe we weren't as prepared for early on. And so the pressure begins to mount. Um, Maybe some of the earlier choices we've made financially are beginning to catch up to us, and we're trying to deal with debt, and we're trying to handle what's going on. Uh, Church and, and ministry life and church life, our role may be increasing, and there's still demands there. And all of this makes us feel sort of like the wishbone. You know, the wishbone in the chicken. You pull it apart and see who you know, gets the wish. That's, I'm not recommending that. But that's what we do. You know, you feel like the wishbone just being pulled apart. And then your body is not nearly your friend anymore than it was in earlier days. Another version of my, my time in my 40s. It's really my, at 39, a friend really wanted me to play baseball in this old man's league. And it was like adult league baseball. And so he asked me three or four seasons in a row, and I'm finally like, okay, I'll do it. You know, maybe I can meet some guys, try to get to know some guys. And so I played baseball. And again, I'm in this season, so my, my theme, one more time. I wanted to do two things one more time. I wanted to hit a home run. One more time, and I wanted to throw a guy out at second base. And I'll tell you how that went. I batted 500 on those. I threw a guy out at second. I hit a home run foul, but it didn't count. <laughs> it was such a bummer. And, and, and an illustration of how, 
how your body is not your friend anymore is that I hit this ball in the gap. It was a, it was a line drive. I hit the ball between uh, right and center field. And in my mind, it looked like a double. So I round first base, and I'm heading towards second. I got thrown out about... Now, the, the, the bases are 90 feet, okay? I got thrown out about 60 feet from second base. <laughs> it was incredibly embarrassing. But that's... <laughs> That's what was going on. Okay, one more time, I can do it. In my mind, I could do it. I was a legend in my own mind. Um, But this is this is what's going on in this in this stage, and it's fun to think about. It's 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 fun to laugh about. But it, it is really a very difficult time, and it's so important to endure. In this stage, all of this pressure can create a struggle in our relationship with God. God, where are you? Why is it so hard? We, We can throw a fit and wallow on the floor and wonder why has God left and checked out and not come through like we wanted him to. Why isn't life going the way I want it to? Why isn't going the way that I think it should? Another question do I have anything left to offer? Uh, we, we live in a youth culture. That is, that is not the perspective of Scripture. Uh, scripture honors uh, growing older. There's a lot that we have to offer as we go along, but we struggle with this. The older you get, the more you battle against the thought that maybe I'm just too old to have anything to offer. This begins to kick in in this decade. So all of these things mount around the same time in the late 30s, early 40s. There's a lot of turbulence, a lot of things going on. And we look for ways of coping with the new realities. We, some people start trying to work on a new shell of the body. Uh, other people pick up new lifestyles, uh, new recreational pursuits. Some start drinking. Maybe a little wine for the heart turns into taking off the edge, which turns into depending on it. To make it through, we might overextend ourselves to buy things, to go on, to travel. Uh, financially, we buy stuff and do stuff that we think is going to relieve the pressure that will help us escape what's going on, make life easier and more enjoyable. That's, that's, this is typical. Two major feelings can dominate this, this season. Depression and self-pity, because all of these things are going on. Why me? Why is this happening to me? Here's the thing about God and the perspective that he has on life. This stage is a fertile ground for growth, because all trials and all trouble are a fertile ground for growth. So this makes it doubly important that we hang in there, Because this stage is also a recipe for for disaster. If we bail out, if we choose to pull the plug, if we do some of the foolish things and thoughts that come to mind, we end up in real trouble. But it's a fertile ground for growth in our walk with God and as he aims to develop our character through it. At this stage, Christ followers make it their goal to endure 
in faith. Look at what first, first Peter says. Peter says this here. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter says that we need to bear up under the test of this season and wait on God to provide relief and reward. Don't run for it yourself. Of course, we, we obviously need, we need enough recreation. We need enough break to, to recharge and refuel. But we don't want to pull the plug. We want to wait on God, and that means remaining under the pressure and not trying to get out from under it illegitimately, but holding up by the grace that God provides under the pressure that we're experiencing. During this season, we're bearing a load of responsibility. Some of the questions we have, some of the, the loose ends that we're waiting to get tied together they won't come together for years. We're, we're making a gargantuan effort in our career at business. We don't know if it's going to flourish or flounder, maybe for, for years. We're not quite sure how this is going to go. I have to keep choosing in this stage. I have to keep choosing to keep my feet to the fire and work hard, even though it's tempting to check out and go into autopilot. Will, will the kids choose to keep following God and become contributors to the kingdom and to community? What's, what's going to happen with the kids? We're making, this is a major investment in the kids that we have here in, in life. And the question won't be answered for years. But I need to engage right now in doing everything within my power to bless them and to train them up. Will I keep serving others? It doesn't look like anybody's paying attention. You know, I have been trying to help and serve and make an investment. It doesn't look like people are noticing. I'm not getting much reward right here. Will the ministry I'm building, will the service I'm doing, will it all fall apart after the major effort I'm making? We don't know. So we've got to keep it's important to keep serving, keep doing what God's laid on your plate to do. Peter gives the perspective that we need to pass this test and go through the fire. And he also shows us that there's a purpose in the fire. Now, this makes a big difference. If you can see a purpose in the trouble you're going through, what a difference. And with God... You're going to go through the trouble whether you walk with God or not. But with God, you can know that he's going to use the trouble for his purpose if you'll cooperate with him. It's refining us. If you walk through the fire with God, you have the opportunity to be refined, to be changed, to have the dross slip away and the gold shine through. This is an important perspective that we need to hold on to. The reward is coming, if not now, in eternity. So we live for that day. We don't live for right now as Christ followers. We live in faith and endure what we're going through right now. That's how we walk. God has a great purpose in the fire. Uh, look at James 1, 2 through 4 with me. 
Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. That's endurance. It actually is a Greek word that it's the Greek word transliterated is hupomone, and it means to remain under. It's a picture of a soldier in the pressure and heat of the battle who has no hope of surviving, but they hang in there. They remain in the battle. They stay in there. That's what steadfastness is. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may become perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So what God's doing through the fire is he's, he wants to change us as we cooperate with him. He wants to build our faith. He wants to build us. Endurance is so important because if you don't endure, God can't change you and get you ready for the next thing and the next thing. And that's what God's doing. He's trying to build us up. What this passage is saying is if you bail out from under the pressure, you miss the growth that God intends through this trouble through this stage or through any trouble that you're facing right now. With all the pressures of midlife, if your faith deepens and you trust God, you learn to trust God at a higher and higher level, then you come through the fire a much stronger person. A person who's, it says perfect and complete, but the idea is maturity. You're, you're developing maturity. And maturity in Scripture is defined as the character of Jesus Christ. And if you develop that kind of character, you're a very useful person. You're a person that really blesses your family. You're, you're a person that's invaluable at, at work. You're a person here in church life that people really want to know and learn from. So this, this is what God's trying to do through the fire. You become stronger like forged steel. If you go through the fire, if you bail, you miss the benefit. So it's important to hang in there. The major question that keeps coming up through this stage is, is it worth it? Is all of it, is it worth hanging in there? When we're tested in this stage, you want relief. We want to get out of the fire, even temporarily if possible. So we start looking for escape routes. I've, I've named some of those. Uh, we want Something to cool us down with the mounting pressure and the mounting heat. Comfort is high on our list of values. We want, we want to hang in there. We're so used to being consumers, and people are selling easy buttons. You know, I, want, I want an easy button for work, for family life, or whatever. I just want to hit it and make everything come together. I'd love that. That's not how life works. We don't have one of those. We can get into envy. We can covet. It looks like... You know, we, we see for the most part the outside of families, other families and other people, uh, those who have other positions at work. We see, we see the outside. We don't see the inside, but on the outside, it looks so great. I want their life. And we can begin to covet and envy and be drawn to those things to the point where we want to check out of our life. So we get into the escapes, recreation, like surfing, which is not necessarily bad, especially if you have a verse on your stringer. <laughs> not, we need enough recreation to recharge, 
It's not bad if it's kept in perspective, but boy, we can get obsessed with recreation. And we can, we can lose what really needs to f- be focused on in our lives. We can get into drinking or something else to dull the pain of what we're facing. We can get into wanting what other, ha- other people have, a, a job, a family, uh, a husband or a wife. And we can desire to trade in our own for a, another. Try, let's try a new family. Um, I've decided if I were to ever do that, first of all, God would spank me big time because of my role in, in church life. But I would mess up the new family. I'd be there. I'd be a part of it. I'm a mess. You know, I wouldn't help it out. It still wouldn't be. I'm, I'm the problem here. I humbly have to accept that if I traded in for something else, it, it just I, I, I wouldn't experience what I'm looking for because I would be in the scene. Maybe a new church will relieve the pressure and fix me. It would fix it. It's an easy button. That's it. It helps me out. The major danger in this stage is bailing out and abandoning responsibilities, which could result in a loss of integrity or influence. Everything we've been building toward can crumble if we cave in to a foolish decision. So I want to introduce you to two fire-walking friends, Timothy and Demas. They can give us some guidance on navigating this season. These men were in midlife. They had similar training. They shared the same mentor, Paul. One remained faithful, the other bailed. One opted for relief while one endured through the testing. Let's first look at Timothy. In the New Testament, we have two letters written from Paul to a man named Timothy. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He spread the uh, gospel throughout the Roman Empire. And he was mentoring Timothy and Demas both. Timothy had a heritage of sincere faith from his grandmother and his mother. He was a leader in the church. And so Paul wrote these letters for his benefit and for ours as well. Paul himself was in prison, enduring prison. And he charged Timothy to endure this season in life. And this is how he told him to do it. Here's Paul's advice on how to endure to the end. Find strength in God's grace. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That's, that's how he starts in 2 Timothy 2. Paul charges him to be strong, but not in himself, but in God's grace. Our knee-jerk reflex is, when we get under pressure, to try to take it on ourselves. To, to figure it out, to navigate in our own self-effort. And that's defeating. Because we need help. We need strengthening from somewhere. And the help comes from the grace of God. Now, when I was in my 40s, there were attitudes I chose. There were words I used. I wasn't very proud of those things. There were things I said and did that I wasn't proud of. In fact, I cringed to think of some of the things I thought and and did back then. I need God's grace or I'm going to act like that never happened. And there's going to continue to be a wedge between me and the people I may have hurt or disappointed during that season. So we need, we're strong, not in our own selves, but we're strong in the grace of God that he provides. This is what Paul charges Timothy to do. 
It's the grace of God that we lean on when we disappoint ourselves, when we step out of line, when we sin. I choose, you know, I choose to trust the trace of the grace of God, not my own self. I need to accept his grace, make it right with those I've offended and move on. Humility, again, is crucial in this stage. Next, Paul says, remember, you aren't alone. You're a part of a broader context. Second Timothy two, two and three says, and what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of, of Christ Jesus. He reminds Timothy that he's part of a team. Someone's invested in him. He's investing in others. There's, there's, this, there's these witnesses. They're watching his life. It's painful to keep commitments to a team. You, you know, some of us, particularly men, we want to just shrink back and solve our problems all by ourselves. Don't isolate yourself. Don't do that. That's the worst, worst thing you could do. Then he tells him, stay focused and don't bail out. Second Timothy 2 says, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. So hang in there. Don't step out of the boundaries that God has provided for living. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So think about this. Let this soak in. If you bail out or you just go to doing life on autopilot in this stage, you give up and you don't see the harvest. You, you don't see the reward. You don't see the change that God wants to make in you through it. In contrast to Timothy, Paul had another friend, another person on his team who started off well. We'll call him Demas the deserter. And so you find out where he ended up <laughs> in, the, in the description. In Philemon 23 and 24, Paul commends a list of men who were traveling with him and teammates of his. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow workers. Somewhere along the way, the pressure of the fire cooked Demas' resolve. And this is what you find in 2 Timothy 4.10. For Demas, he's asking actually what's happening. He, Demas fell in love with the present world and checked out. He deserted him. And he's, he went to Thessalonica. So he bailed. He pulled plug. He, he didn't hang in there. What's, what Paul is saying to Timothy here, and the reason he says for Demas is because he's asking Timothy to come because Demas was going to do it. He was going to bring some things to him and come to his help, his aid. And along the way, he pulled, pulled, bailed out. He took a right when he should have took a left. So he's, he's saying Demas dropped back and punted. And so now I need you, somebody I can count on. Demas at one point was one of Paul's closest friends. I'm sure Paul had invested a tremendous amount of time in him. But when the heat became too fierce, he bailed. He checked out. The word deserted is a strong verb. Uh... That means to utterly abandon and leave someone helpless in a dire situation. So he left his friend hanging in a big way. If you're in the fire and you bail, 
You, you leave a wreckage behind you. You, you, leave, you leave hurt, possibly for years. Moms, dads, friends, hold on to your commitments. H- hang in there. Keep them in the right order. Remain faithful, even though your dreams may be slipping. Put your trust in God and His grace. He can help you. I mean, the pressure brings things to the surface you're not very proud of. But hang in there. God and His grace will help you. Keep the kingdom first. Take care of those under you. Then turn to God to meet your needs and interests. Look at 2 Timothy 2, 11-12. The saying is trustworthy for... If we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. This is a pattern in the Christian life. You keep coming to situations where you, you choose, am I going to do it my way or am I going to do it God's way? And what Jesus said is if you follow me, you have to deny yourself daily. So you have to die to yourself. You die to your selfishness. And you live for the people that God's put in your life and for him. You live for him and the people he's put in your life. And that's where you experience resurrection. If you don't die, you never resurrect. <laughs> you, don't, you don't experience one without the other. And God, and in this stage of life, it looks like everything could be dead in a week. It could all go away in a week. And so you keep dying to 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 yourself, and living for Christ by bearing the weight of the responsibilities that you have. This is important. Hang in there. Keep going. Trust God. And he will not rip you off as you trust him. As I wrap up today's message, uh, please pull out the connection card uh, Matt referred to earlier, if you would. I'd like to ask the worship team to come back on stage and the ushers to prepare to receive the offering. If you could take this time to finish completing any information or next steps that you haven't had an opportunity to complete but would like to, that'd be great. When the offering ushers come around, you can uh, place the card in the offering basket. That, that would really be a help. These next steps are some practical ways that you can apply what I've been talking about. Uh, I've, I've given some suggestions. Um, first next step could be Pray for, fill in the name of somebody you know who's going through the fire right now. Maybe there's a friend, family member, somebody you're walking through church life with that you you want to pray for. Just pray that they'll endure. That's a great prayer. God, would you give them the ability to endure what they're bearing right now? Second step could be uh, to share with someone about the fire you're walking through and ask them to pray with you. So those are some steps I've suggested. There may be something entirely different that God said to you that you'd like to act on. But I'd encourage you to step out and apply what God's shown you. Obey, because that's how understanding unfolds as we step out to obey. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth we see in your word that gives so much guidance and direction and help. We honor you. We thank you. Thank you for life and the fact that it's different at each season, each stage, and that you have a purpose in it for us. Give us the strength, God, to lean on your grace and to step out and obey you as you've spoken to us this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.